Welcome to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We are so glad you decided to join us. We want to help you to know God, find freedom, and discover your divine purpose so that you can make a difference with your life. We pray this message encourages you, inspires you, brings you hope, and builds your faith. Um, I want to continue our our series of messages today. We started last week a, a series called As For Me and My House. Um, comes from a scripture in Joshua where uh, Joshua has led the children of Israel to into the promised land that God gave them. And um, they've conquered the, in, uh, the land, driven out their enemies. They've divided up their inheritance. And this tribe got that part. This tribe got this part. And now they're starting to settle and build in, in this place. And Joshua is getting ready to uh, step into heaven. He's getting ready to die. And he's giving the people some final instructions and saying, hey, just a reminder, we're going to be people who keep the Lord's command. In fact, he says that the Lord tells us, to keep all of his commands, to be careful to follow all of his decrees. He said, but if it doesn't seem good enough to you to serve the Lord, if you think there's something better, you decide. I love that because sometimes people look at the Bible and they're like, well, God's just trying to force me. No. Even, uh, you know, when Joshua is saying this, by the way, it's after the law was given. So don't come at me with Old Testament, New Testament. Old Testament says, you decide, choose you this day. Even the Lord said, I've set before you blessing and cursing. Choose whatever you want, but it's an open book test. Choose life. Jesus said in the book of Revelation, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anybody wants to let me in, I'll come in and we'll have a good time. But it's up to you. Like you decide, boo. But I'm just telling you, it's just better to, it's just better to choose Jesus. And so Joshua is saying, choose for yourself who you want to serve. If you want to serve all these false idols of the lands that we've defeated, if those defeated of false gods seem better to serve, then serve those. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I think uh, as I was praying, God just brought this scripture back to me like, we just need to get back to the place where we've made a decision. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so for us, our house is, you know, our lives. We're the temple of the Spirit of God. Our house is us, and uh, our house is our family. It's not just like a structure you live in. Our house is our family. Our house is our church. This is the house of God. And so we just made the decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, And so I want to speak kind of from the place of how do we build a godly house? We started last week, like Marsha said, it's available on our podcast. I want to kind of continue that. How do we build a godly house, a godly marriage? How do we raise children to serve God all the days of their life and not, you know, lose their way in their teens? Not all that kind of stuff that people say is common. Well, if that's common, if that's normal, I don't want it. And that's not our inheritance according to what the Word of God says. It's just what we've received and accepted as as us because that's what culture has said but every teenager wasn't meant to be rebellious rebellion is not from god all right so how do we then build our lives our families to raise our children to serve god all the days of the life and whether you're single or whether you're married or uh, you're, you want to be married or don't want to be married again or whatever that is we are all building our lives for future generations upon something. And um, I don't know about you, but I want my life 
Like, I don't want to get to a point in my life where I'm in the headlines because there's a scandal. Our world has enough of that. I want to get to the end of my life and be able to look back and, you know, say that there, my life was scandal-free, that we led the church with integrity and for the glory of God, that my marriage honored God and went the distance and there wasn't any extra people involved along the way. Come on, somebody, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't know about y'all, but that's what I want. You know, I, 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 and I wish, honestly, when I was single, that somebody would have gotten my face and helped me make the same decision then. You can live with purity when you're single. You know, um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The problem, I think, is that most Christians would say they want that. Um, but are we doing anything differently than what everybody else is doing to build something different? You know, uh, can I just say hope is not a strategy. I, I hope we make it. I hope I live a good life. Hope is not a strategy. It's just a hope. <laughs> you need a strategy. You need to build upon something and with something that will stand the test of time. And that's why Jesus said, anyone who hears the words of mine, come on, we hear the word, and he says, and does what I say, that is the wise person who builds their life upon the rock foundation. So that when the rain and the storms and the floods and all the terrible things of life that brings our way comes, it will withstand and make it through the storm. But the one who hears the words and doesn't do it, that's the foolish person. With building with anything else and when all the stuff that life brings comes, great was the fall of that house. We're going to build on the foundation of Jesus. And so today I want to share this message. It's all about Jesus. Come on, look at your neighbor and say it's all about Jesus. It is. It's all about Jesus. And uh, the Lord has really been kind of uh, dealing with me and speaking to me, kind of reminding me of this, this idea that it is all about Jesus. And that too often, I think, we allow ourselves to outsource the solution. Too often we allow ourselves to... to to look to another foundation, an additive to the foundation that we already know is Jesus. We look to something sometimes other than Jesus. And here's what I mean is like we want it to be easy, right? <laughs> I mean, I got, I'm going to raise my hand. Sometimes I just like, can this just be easier? We want things to be easy sometimes. We want the quick fix, you know. We want the what's right here, what's right now, what, what's going to be there, what's comfortable. Sometimes, if we're really honest, we want the thing that sounds spiritual but doesn't really fully line up with the word. It's like a partial truth but partially just man-made because it was posted by somebody who whatever, you know, like. But what happens is when we outsource to all of those things, like, it never produces the security that we're looking for. I would just say it's the hard decisions now that produce the long-term results that everybody wants. It's just that too often we choose to tend the easy decisions now that have the hard ramifications later on through the rest of life. So we're not going to be those that shy away from hard moments. No, we're going to lean into things and say, I would rather take a moment that is hard now that will produce something later. It's like when you're dating, sometimes it can feel hard to wait to have relations until you get married. But that is God's way. I know it's not the popular decision. I know it doesn't satisfy the urge or whatever, the, whatever that's supposed to mean. 
It might feel like a harder decision now, but it will pay off long term over your life. If you really want a God-honoring marriage that goes the distance and doesn't get distracted and brought in by other things and other people, because those situations always present themselves. But if I build the foundation before I ever enter into something upon what God says, then guess what? He's going to be right in the middle of it. And if you didn't start out that way, listen, if you didn't start out that way, it's okay. But as of today, as of this moment, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And if you need some help in that area, like just bring other, like don't go on just a single date. Bring people along with you. Just don't be alone. Give me a call. I'll be there. That'll be real awkward. You know what I'm, but, but I'm just saying like hope ain't a strategy. So don't hope you end up there. Don't hope like if you're, you know, uh, be intentional. Make the decisions now that are going to produce what you want later. I've experienced plenty of heartbreak in my life. I've lost family, loved ones. I've, I've been in places where I've had next to nothing, and I've been in other places where I've done a little better. Come on, anybody, you know. Uh, I've learned what it means to go through hard times and good times, and I, what, I, what I've learned as I look back is that when I'm willing to focus my mind and my heart and my emotions, when I'm willing to focus my grief and my disappointment and my pain, when I make that conscious decision in the middle of it to focus on Jesus, everything else begins to change. But the truth is, is that in the midst of all those same things, I, make the, I can make the same conscious decision to focus on anything else. And people do. People pull away from where they've been planted in the church. They pull away from relationships. They go back to the thing that they worked so hard to break free from. Or they just get distant from God. They stop pursuing Him or whatever it is. And then they're like, well, how did my life end up back here in this place? It's like, We have to realize that we have to make a conscious decision and whatever we're facing is that I'm going to keep my eyes, my life, the priority of everything focused on Jesus. It's not going to just happen by default or by wishful thinking. It's just going to be a decision that we make. Jesus, you are my focus. I don't know what's going on and I feel, I feel so discouraged right now, but Jesus, I choose to look to you. I choose to keep my mind on you. I'm not going to just dwell on and rehearse. See, what we talk about when we're saying I'm keeping my eyes, I'm keeping my attention on Jesus, or am I keeping my attention on, like, it's the things that I'm constantly rehearsing in my thoughts, the things that I'm allowing to just be the thing that's rolling around in my mind. We, we've all probably been in that place where my thoughts constantly run to the, oh, man, this is going to be so bad. This is going to be such a struggle. I just don't know. And what about this? And like, it's just that it's the thing that I'm rehearsing. And, and it's that place, you know, like, where I've already planned out what I'm going to say to that person and tell them, and I've already planned out what they're going to say back to me and then how I'm going to... It's what I'm, that's my focus. But in the same way, I can let my thoughts roll around what Jesus is saying. I can say, you know, okay, Jesus, there is this situation, but I'm going to keep my mind focused on you. I'm going to choose to forgive. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to, like, I can focus on whatever I want to. And the truth is, whatever you choose to focus yourself and your emotions and your mind, that is the thing you are building your life upon. 
That is the thing you will have to lean on in those moments because that has become the foundation for your life. It's just that when we say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, it's saying, I'm not going to be ruled by my thoughts. I'm not going to be ruled by my feelings. Come on, I preached a message a couple months ago called Hooked on a Feeling. And some of us, you know, like it's so easy to be hooked on a feeling. Some of y'all need to go back and listen to that in the name of Jesus. But praise the Lord. Listen, we're not trying to just make it by the skin of our teeth and just skate by and hope we make it through this life and be good enough. No, listen, baby, you an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. But what does a conqueror do? A conqueror rides in and defeats some things. You're going to have to rise up in your spirit and let this overcoming thing come inside of you and let the word of God rule your spirit. And let the word of God rule your mind. He is the prince of peace. That means he reigns. That means he rules with peace. You don't have to be ruled with chaos and anxiety and panic and all that kind of stuff. We are being ruled by something. But as for me and my house, we will be ruled. We will allow Jesus to have authority in our lives. Anybody with me? Amen. All right. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15, verse 5. If you've got that free version Bible app on your tablet or your phone, you can get that out. Let that glow light up your face. Here in John 15, Jesus is with his disciples. Uh, this is, a, um, you know, the way that we understand the timeline of this week this is the passion week for jesus in this in the story so uh, we call it good friday that was the day he was taken and, and crucified uh, wasn't good for him it was good for us but this is the thursday night before good friday before he's taken and, and beaten and, and crucified and jesus is gathered with his disciples in what we call the upper room having the last supper um, they're sharing this communion moment together and, and all this. And this is where Judas leaves to go betray him. All that's happening hours before all, Judas betrays him. They finish up the meal. Jesus takes them outside onto the courtyard. And there's a terrace uh, at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And there's a, there's a vineyard there. And Jesus starts teaching them this message. Verse 5. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. So, if you've never done any gardening, the vine is the main thing. The vine is the main thing that goes into the ground, and all the things that shoot off of it, the branches. I mean, this is springtime in Florida. There is something growing everywhere. You know what I'm talking about? Like in the smallest crack in your driveway is like a three-foot weed or something. Like, where did this even I can't get grass to grow in the lawn. Why is it growing in the driveway? <sighs> Praise the Lord. The vine is the source. It's the thing that the branches depend upon. If the branch gets cut off from the vine, the branch dies. The branch has to stay connected to the vine. So Jesus is saying, I'm the thing you need to be connected to. I'm the main thing. He says, you are the branch. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, come on, what did he say? You'll be able to do a couple things says, you can do some good things. No, he says, apart from me, you can do zip, zilch, nada, nothing, goose egg, zero. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So ever feel like you've been running on fumes? <laughs> Could it be that we've become disconnected from Jesus? We haven't stayed connected to the main thing? Could it be Sometimes we begin to pursue something else as our priority. 
man, I just encourage you. Like, this isn't to condemn you or anything. Like, this is just to wake us up a little bit. Like, sometimes we just need to get connected to Jesus. He said, if my words, if, if, if you remain in me and I in you, he says, then you will bear much fruit. Sometimes we feel like we're just spinning our wheels. Like, where's the results, God? Where's the fruit? Where's the evidence? Of, of your spirit in my life, if you feel like you're trying to serve God, you're doing some things and there's no results, there's no evidence of God's power in your life, it could be that you're, there's nothing because you've been apart. You've been trying to do it all you. And you haven't come and been in Him. The Bible says, in Him we live, move, and have our being. Not, not in opinions we live and move and have our being. Not in feelings. Not in beach days. Not in the parks. Not in, no, in Him we live move and have our being. So when it's your opinions and your way and your decisions and your thoughts, you will meet yourself. Look at yourself in the mirror and say, what's up, provider? But when it's God's way, it's his decisions and his direction and his word, he will meet you there. Thank you, God, you are my provider. Thank you, God, you are my covering. Thank you, God, you are my banner. Thank you, God, you are more than enough when I'm not near enough. Alone, we're like this, this phone cable. This phone cable is a prized possession. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because without this cable, life gets a little crazy. Gets a little panicked. We got to run down to the store and buy a new one. Like, we got to have these. I mean, we've all probably got them in our cars, in our bags, that are by our beds, and wherever else. This cable is amazing because what it does is it plugs into our phones and charges them because these things only last so long, right? But what's interesting about this phone cable is that there's nothing powerful about this cable. It's just a cord. It can't do anything. Imagine if I took this cable and I'm like, I need to charge my phone and I just plug it into my phone. What's going to happen? Nothing. Why? Because this is just a cord. There's nothing contained in this cord. It's just a cable. Just on its own, that's all it is. This cord has to actually be connected to a power source to do anything. It doesn't matter how much potential is in there, how good it looks, what brand it is, where it came from, what it cost me. It can have all the potential in the world, and it is good for nothing because it's not plugged into any power source. But it is meant to take power and channel the power to the thing that needs to receive power. But when it's just here, it's, it's not going to do that. I mean, I could put it some other places. I could pretend. Still not going to work. I've got to get this cord plugged into some things. And the same is true in our lives. Our life is like this phone cord. You have potential. You have a calling. You have a gifting. You're meant to be a conduit of God's anointing, of the healing power of Jesus. You're meant to be a, 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 a there, you're, there's meant to be a transference of who God put inside of us to the world around us. We're meant to share the good news. But guess what? If we're not connected to anything, nothing. We're good for nothing. We've got to be connected to some things. The problem is, is that sometimes we try to connect to other things, good things even, as our source. It's like, it's like this little this guy right here. This is a, like a portable battery charger. Anybody got one of these? 
these things are awesome because I can be out somewhere where uh, there's no power and I can plug into it and still charge some things. And, and that's what we do sometimes, isn't it, right? We, we plug ourselves into some temporary things, thinking that it's the source. Oh, well, my phone's charging now. Let's go. I've still got 95% left in this. But at some point, this is a temporary thing and we'll run out and won't have what we need. And we often turn our lives to temporary things and convince ourselves, now I'm connected to the source, even good things. So what are we looking to? Are we looking to the things or are we keeping our eyes focused on the main thing? Listen, the main thing is Jesus. My pastor used to tell me, um, he was from, he used to say, said that he was from L.A., Lower Arkansas. And so... I grew up in Oklahoma, so it wasn't that far from L.A., Lower Arkansas. He used to say, Chris, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is Jesus. Everything else is going to come and go. Money will come and go. Followers will come and go. Everything will come and go. But the one thing that will remain is Jesus. So we're not going to just plug into some temporary things that only last for a little while and then leave us wanting more. See, this, as good as this temporary portable thing is, at some point, it's got to be charged itself. And that's why people come there like, oh, I came to church, so I guess I'm good now. I'll see you in another a couple weeks or whatever, how long till I'm back again. Like Thinking that a church, as good as it is, is the main thing. Listen, it's not the main thing. It helps get us connected to the main thing. Well, I was in a group, you know, and then, and then I was good. That's why people who, who, you know, think like, well, I don't have to come to church to be a Christian. Well, you're probably right, but it's just going to be a hard ride. You're just going to be running on E a lot because we need to be in environments where we're being connected to the main thing. We need to be in places where we're being challenged and encouraged and loved, right? We need to be connected. But see, when I get this cord plugged into some power, and I brought this power right here. This is plugged into the source. See, when I plug this into the source, all of a sudden my phone starts charging. All of a sudden there's an endless supply of what needs to come through this to the device that needs it. And there are people all around you in your life that are waiting for you to get connected to Jesus, to stay connected to Jesus, not in a moment, not in a service, but to live our lives connected to the power. I don't know if you realize, but every day people are dying. Every day people are stepping into eternity. Some ready, some prepared to meet Jesus, and some not. Like, and God left us here in his grace and his mercy. He gave us today. And I just wonder... What conversation is going to be like one day when we stand before the Father and said, what about February 26, 2023? Well, I went to church. Okay. What would you do with it? Well, you know, I needed to get my word that day. Okay. But did you give to anybody? Did you serve anybody? Did you love anyone? Did you share Jesus, the life that you have received freely with anybody? Like, come on. Like, we got to be connected to the main thing and not allow our lives to be consumed by every other little thing. 
whether good or bad. It's not to say don't do fun things or, or whatever. No, like do those things. Enjoy life. But, hey, those are not the focus of my life. And if something needs to change because I need to get adjusted to where Jesus is leading me, then I'm going to change those things to what Jesus is speaking and leading because Jesus is the main thing. I'm just going to leave this plugged into the power source while we're preaching. I'm probably going to come back to us. Sometimes people get mad at life. They get mad at the dream. They get mad at the church or the leader or the person or the thing or what the whatever because they plugged their lives into that thing. And then they wonder why, you know, uh, <laughs> why they feel so disappointed or feel so let down or feel so like there's no evidence or the fruit of the spirit in their lives. Isn't it crazy how many Christians are out there with no fruit of the spirit? in their lives, but I'm just glad to be surrounded by a bunch of people that have fruit in their lives. We're not fruity, but we have the fruit of the Spirit, the evidence. You know, let's put that in 2023. That's the evidence of God's Spirit in our lives, the fruit. What is, what is being produced in us? And if you read Galatians 5, it's pretty clear. He says, here's the, here's the evidence of people living for their flesh, and here's the evidence of people who live for the Spirit of God. People walk away from their faith or they walk away from a place or something that God planted them in. It's amazing how many people come and tell me, Pastor, I've just I've prayed for a church like this and we're going to be planted. And then one little thing happens or is said and they're like, we're out of here and you're we hate them. I'm like, God is not schizophrenic. He didn't forget that he called you and told you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's the person that prays for the, the job, and then when they get it, complains about every little thing. Not, like, let's not mistake a service or a person for God. No. God is God. The spouse, the job, achieving the dream, those things are not the, the source. Those things are not the life. Please don't ever look to me as your source. I am a person, and I will... I will always do my best to love and to serve you. It is never my intention to hurt anybody or to do, you know, any of that, let anybody down. But listen, I'm a person, and I am not perfect, and I won't always do things right. I will always do my best to do what Jesus speaks to me and lead that way. Now, that being said, sometimes people, uh, this, is, this is all just free, but I just feel to share it. Sometimes people look at a leader who doesn't do what they think is best and then translate that as, well, they messed up or they're wrong. But, hey, we're not going to be those kind of Christians. Now, I'm not talking about covering over gross sin or any, anything like that. I'm not talking about just blowing by, like, a deliberate abuse or intentionally. Like, of course not. Okay? But, hey... I'm going to lead the way God lead, calls me to lead. And, and I'm, I might make some mistakes along the way, and you can rest assured when I do, as soon as I recognize that I will be quick to repent. Okay? But at the same time, I'm not here. Like, we don't serve the God of happy. And our world is consumed with serving the God of happy. But we don't serve that God. We serve the one true God. And he never said, when you serve me, you will always be happy all of the time. Please come in and to the church so that every little thing will make you happy. No, he said the exact opposite. If you want to follow me, lay down your life, take up your cross, and follow me. So we're not here to serve preference. Listen, if I had my preference and everything, there would be a lot of things that would be different, y'all. You know what I'm saying? It's not about preference. 
It's about God allowing us to lead us. So what is your source? What is your life plugged into? A good way to tell what your life is plugged into is where do you turn when the pressure is turned up? When there's a loss, what do you run to? What are you leaning on? What, what do you have to have to have refreshing in your day? To just, you know, like my favorite phrase that I'm, I still don't understand is just to take the edge off. Like I need all my edges to keep myself together, you know, like, like whatever. Like, but what is your source, you know? Jesus, he continues, verse 7, he says, if, if you remain in me and my words remain in you. So now he said, not just that we're going to, uh, you remain in me and I in you. Now he says, let my words remain in you. Now, does that mean he wants us to, like, tear the pages out of our Bible and, like, get it? no, that's not what he means. He's talking about hiding the word in our hearts getting the word in our mind. He said, let my word be in you. Let it be, uh, let it be in your heart. Let it be in your thoughts. Let it come out of your mouth. Let my words be in you. He says, then you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you, here's the phrase, bear much fruit. So is praying and asking God for him to move for something? Is this, this is not name it and claim it. This is not God saying, I'm a slot machine. You just do a couple things and get what you, that's not what he's saying. He was saying, look, let's read it again. He says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask what you wish and it will be done for you. Because when the word is in you, then what you begin to ask God for is according to his will, is what he's already said I want to do. And he says, when that happens, when God moves this way, he says, this will glorify God. So it's not to glorify you. This is where a lot of people get mixed up is they think that when they pray and they ask God for something, it's because they want it for themselves. And, we, and so even James talks about this. He says, you pray and you don't get what you ask for because you're asking wrong. You're coming with your own selfish motives, your own desires. Lord, strike them down. <laughs> None of us have probably ever prayed that prayer. But David did. He said, Lord, break the teeth of my enemies. That's messed up, y'all. <laughs> They're going to even be able to eat steak ever again if the Lord breaks their teeth. Sometimes we just ask for our own desires. That's funny right there. I don't care what y'all say. No, he says, this is that God would be glorified through our lives. And then we will, he says, bear much fruit. There will be lots of results, and he says, this is how you show people you're my disciples. So what is the fruit he's talking about? Let's read it, Galatians 5, Here's the list. The fruit of the Spirit, the evidence of the Spirit of God in us will bring out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this means that the evidence, the, the working of God's spirit in you is something that no one can take from you. It's only something that you can choose to stop let growing. Right? No one can take it from you. No situation can rob it from you. No one can cancel you. No one can cancel the fruit of the spirit in you. Doesn't matter what they say. Doesn't matter if they leave you. Doesn't matter if they cut you off or whatever else. No one can stop the fruit of the spirit from growing in your life unless you decide, like, I don't need this in my life anymore, right? If we're plugged into something other than Jesus, right, then even if it's a good thing or an average thing, the results will still be nothing, 
The results will not be the fruit of the Spirit. The only way the fruit of the Spirit grows in us, Jesus said it, is when we are connected to him, when his word is hidden in us, right? This is why we've got to get our lives connected to Jesus because if our source, if our goal is something other than Jesus, then our demise will be in those things. When things fall, it will be because of those things. So how do we stay plugged into Jesus? It's a great question. Thanks for asking. I want to uh, give us five practical ways today to keep our lives focused, plugged into Jesus, so that we can uh, begin to incorporate these into our lives. And I would just encourage you, write these five down today, and then at the end we're going to come back. And I believe there will be one that's standing out to you. One of these things we're like, this is my weakest one. This is the one that is the lowest. If I had to rate them all and put them in order of strongest to lowest, there's one that's the lowest. And here's what I want to do over the next uh, couple weeks is I'm going to put a lot of prayer. I'm going to put focus on this low one so that I can begin to elevate the level of this one in my life. Because when we begin to elevate what Jesus is doing in our lives, everything else begins to rise. So for each of us, it might be a different one. So we're going to write these things down. Here's the first one. If we're going to stay plugged into Jesus, we have to prioritize Jesus and everything. Now, I know this is the most probably obvious one and maybe a little repetitive, but it's just it's also the most foundational part of this is that we have to prioritize Jesus in everything. And I know we prioritize Jesus in most things. Uh, in some things, maybe even. Um, but let's just, you know, what what about our schedule? Is Jesus the priority on our schedule? What about in our finances? Is Jesus the priority in our finances? What about in, in our mental habits? Is Jesus the priority of our mental habits? What about in our scroll? Is Jesus the priority in my scroll? You know, in Revelations it says that Jesus is the only one that is worthy to take the scroll. Some of us just need to give him the scroll. Is Jesus the priority? You know, we, it's like, we're like, I'm prioritizing you, Jesus, and everything, but it's just Netflix and some shows that don't really affect me. It does. If, if, you, <laughs> if you put that phrase on there, it doesn't affect me, then you've already stepped into the place where you haven't seen the deception you're walking in. It's already affected you. What about in our attitudes? The way we talk to our family at home. The way we talk about people behind their back. Whatever it is, there's probably some area that if we're really honest, that Jesus hasn't been the priority. Because when Jesus is the priority in my life, it just changes how I operate. It changes what I say. It changes how I, I view people and what I'm willing to do. Jesus changes things when, we come in, when he comes into our lives. And I would just say this whole idea that we need less areas of our lives that are ruled by feelings and opinions and more places of our lives that are ruled by obedience and priority to Jesus. I love what John the Baptist said in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said this. He said, he must become greater, I must become less. He must become greater... I must become less. Now, that's good on its own. In a world of self-absorption, you know, and selfies and everything else, like, we need more of Jesus and less of ourselves, you know. Like, uh, the interesting thing about this passage of Scripture, when John said it, 
to understand the power behind it is John is, he's in prison when he says this. And uh, he's in prison because he's been preaching about Jesus, about the kingdom of heaven. He's been calling people to repent uh, calling people to turn to God and leave their ways. And so they, uh, the, he's arrested and thrown into jail. And at the same time, Jesus is starting his ministry. And he's starting to pick up steam. Jesus' ministry is starting to outgrow. John the Baptist ministry is getting a little bigger. His building fund, he's like getting multiple campuses. And now more people are starting to follow Jesus, more followers. His Instagram is blowing up, more likes than John. And John's disciples are getting a little salty. They're starting to feel a certain kind of way about it, you know. And they come to John in prison, and they're like, John, I just got to let you know what's going on. I want to give you the status update. Um, people are leaving us. Us to follow Jesus. We need a strategy session to figure out so that we can have some retention and hold like, like, what do you want us to do, John? John says, guys, come on, lean in close, lean in close. He must become greater. I must become less. Give him all my followers. Tell people to go to his meeting. We don't need him at ours. I mean, there, there's power behind that that is so counter to the culture that we run today. I'm going to chase my dream. What about in your dreams? Is Jesus priority? Could it be that Jesus has a slightly different dream than the way you've been dreaming for your life? Without Jesus, we could achieve our dreams. <laughs> we could make all the money in the world. We could have all the... All the stuff that we've ever wanted. We could live out the American dream. We could become this or that or do whatever. But if we did it all without Jesus and for Jesus, it would be meaningless. Jesus said it this way, Mark chapter 8, verse 36. And he says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Your soul is worth more than your dream. Your soul is worth more than influence and popularity. Your soul is worth more than fill in the blank. Whatever has been coming at you to get you to back down, to get you to come down from that place and lower your standards, whatever has been coming at your soul to try to convince you it's okay, it's just a moment or just a whatever, come on, your soul is worth more. I... I We've just got to realize what's the most valuable thing. And if we're just real practical, like what does it gain someone to put their kids to play travel ball every weekend? Miss church, miss groups, win a trophy, get a college scholarship. But then as an adult, never want to serve God, don't really know who God is, never really want to be in church. Well, I just don't know why they won't be in church or why they won't listen or why they don't care about the things of God. Well, it's how you raise them. It's what you prioritized. I remember we had this conversation with Bella because my daughter loves to play softball. And uh, growing up, you know, as a, as a little kid, they drill it in you. You'll never be good unless you play travel ball. You'll never get a scholarship unless you play travel ball. You'll never really, you know, excel unless you play whatever it is. And we had to just sit her down as a, as, a, as a young girl, you know, single-digit age, and be like, we don't serve the God of softball or foot bail, or basket bail, or beach bail, or whatever you, whatever bail, false God wants to come at you and say, you have to bow to this thing if you want to be great. No, we serve the Lord. 
And it's not to say don't let your kids play sports. But listen, most people would not say that they want their kids to end up out of church, not serving God, not serving, not knowing who God is. But thousands of people make that decision every day of where that their kids will end up in that place. People made it that decision today. And it's not because they're a bad person. It's just because they prioritize something other than Jesus. Like, as for me and my house, we just like, listen, you can play softball. You can do those things. But we're not going to put something else before being in the house. We're going to be in church. And if, if being a, the greatest softball player ever is what God has for your life, like, we'll work hard and we'll do our best. But we're not going to put something else before Jesus. And some of us just need to get back to that decision. Like, we're not trying to force anybody. We're not trying to say, do whatever. Like, make your decisions. You do what you got to do. Like, and understand, it's not about, like, if, I have, if my kids have perfect church attendance, then they'll, then they'll be fine. I am not, like, the church is not here to raise your kids. I am just here to support what you're already putting into them. I'm just here to be an additive. Listen, they're at school longer than they're at church. They're at home with you and with their friends longer than they're at church. Like, church is a necessary part. Like, bring them. Have them here. Have them be involved. Right? But don't, don't bring them and be like, hey, here, fix my kids. <laughs> we will love them. We will serve them. We'll give them everything we got. But we're, like, we're not the main thing. But we're going to stack the dominoes. Anybody ever played dominoes before? Dominoes, you, you put them all next to each other. I mean, uh, I, this is how I play dominoes. I know it's not how you play the game dominoes, but um, I never played the game dominoes until I moved here, and then I had some beautiful uh, people that taught me how to play, and I won my first time. Let's go. And then I retired from playing dominoes. <laughs> go out a champion. When I played dominoes, you would just line them up, and then you would knock them over so that as, they, they, as you knock one over, the line of dominoes begins to fall, and it begins to knock them all over. This is how we raise godly children. This is how we build a godly home. This is how we build a godly marriage as we stack the dominoes, one domino after another. It's not about one domino. It's about all of them coming in alignment and the energy of the other moving things in a direction so that it creates that momentum. Are we getting this today? And it starts with the decision in each of us. Jesus is the main thing. There are going to be some things that will come into our lives. Like softball was part of our lives, but we're not taking our lives and just running to softball. We're not taking our lives and, and running to this thing or to that thing. No, those things can be part of our lives, but our lives are centered around Jesus. Jesus is the priority. If the thing is the prize, if the, the whatever else is the goal, then when things get hard or, or things don't go right or things come against you, then it's easy to quit and walk away. And that's where people walk away from their faith. But when I'm pursuing Jesus above all else, guess what? There's no chance you'll be dissatisfied. There's no chance you'll be left out. There's no chance you'll miss what God is doing because Jesus is your focus. He is the priority. I'm so thankful for people in this church who have made Jesus the priority, the focus of their lives. I think about people like my, my dear friends Danny and Marty. Many of you know who they are. They'd be the first to tell you, like, we aren't perfect and we don't got it all together. But you know where you'll find them every week? Right here in church. And you know where you'll find their kids? Right here in Victory Kids. And their kids will be the first to tell you, we love church. We don't want to miss it. 
And there's been times where the kids would be like, let's go. We don't want to miss it. And on the off chance, like if they're out of town on vacation or something and they're not here, and the kids would be like, we missed it and we wanted to be there. I mean, what a testimony. It's not about being perfect. It's about priorities. When we're pursuing Jesus above all else, listen, you're going to have everything you need. You'll have the love of God in you that you need to make it on your worst day. When people talk about you, you'll have his love. When people leave you, you'll have his love. When you're up, when you're down, whatever you're going through, it'll be okay. Because when you're focused on Jesus, the love of God is flowing in and out of your life. Come on. You, you can't chase two things that are going in opposite directions. You have to leave one and follow the other. And you get to decide. That's the good news. Here's the next way to keep uh, Jesus as our focus plugged into him is take everything to God first. Now, that's a spiritual kind of statement. That's like Christianese, right? So um, I always do my best to put the cookies on the bottom shelf, you know, like let's take the, the Christianese out of it. What does it mean? What do you mean take things to God? Pray. I don't know how to say it simpler. P-R-A-Y. Pray. How do we take things to God? We pray. Before you worry, pray. Let's see if y'all catch on. Before you respond, pray. Before you vent, pray. Before you get something off your chest, pray. Before you post, please, before you post. Before you decide, come on, are we getting this today? Before we do anything else, we pray. Like, this is how we take things to God. First uh, Peter 5, 7 says it this way. Cast all your anxiety. Some of you are like, that's my life verse right there. <laughs> Another translation says all your cares, all your worries. Cast all your cares upon yourself because you're going to have to carry it, baby. No. Cast all your cares, your worries, your weight on him, on Jesus, because he cares for you. One of the most important things we can do in this life is to learn to pray first. It's to learn to give him everything. This is the way that we cast our cares upon him is through prayer. God, I'm really going through it right now, and, and, and I just don't know how I'm going to make it. But God, I give you this weight. God, you know what they said about me, and this is what they said about me. And I'm just so mad right now, but I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give this to you because I don't know what else to do. Because if I give it to somebody else, I'm going to give it to them. Some of us have been given so many pieces of our mind to people that we have nothing left to bring to God. What if we just begin to give him all of it? God, I just gave you all of this. Listen, there's nothing you can say in prayer that's going to surprise him. He's got that x-ray vision thing. He already knows what's inside, right, you know, and he, he, he knows all the stuff that's already rolling around inside of you. So you're not going to scare him away. He's not going to think less of you. Just go ahead and tell him. Some of us are so terrified just to say out loud with our mouths the way that we're feeling to God. When David is like, search me, God, know my anxious thoughts. Know every part of me and see if there's anything that offends you. Any, is there anything, God, in me that offends you? I wonder when the last time we prayed that. God, is there anything that in my heart, in my attitude, in my motives in, that is offensive to you? I don't want it. God, I, I prioritize you. This is the whole thing about prayer is that prayer is the difference. The difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. I know, baby, you're all that in a bag of chips. But listen, we can't do it all. We as people can only go so far. We can only do so much. But God is unlimited. He's omnipotent. He can do anything. Nothing is impossible with God. And yet we're so fascinated at trying to do it all on our own and then just crying out in that, in that 911 call to God. God, this is the 11th hour and now I need your help. Well, let's just start in the first hour. God, I need your help. God, I, I, like, let's just start from the very beginning with getting ourselves in this method of 
prayer. You know, let's stop trying to be people who, who control everything, try to make everything the way we want it with our manipulation, with our words, and trying to force the things. And then we say, well, I'm believing for it, but I'm going to force it to happen and just begin to be people who pray about it, begin to believe God for it. Right? Instead of being uh, those who criticize things or complaining about things, what if we just prayed about it when that urge to criticize comes up? Just, mm, no, nope, God, I just give it to you. God, just bless them. One of the best lessons I've learned in my life, um, I worked at a job in a church. I worked there for almost a decade, and a a new boss came in. Just like Moses wrote, a Pharaoh came in that did not know the Lord. (laughs) This person knew the Lord, but they came in, and they felt to make some changes, and it created a lot of friction, a, a, a lot of bad things, and it created some because of what was done and, and the choices that were made and the words that were said, man, like, I started to get into my heart and I started to have a problem. And I remember a, a pastor in my life who's still involved in my life um, sat me down and we talked through the specifics of the situation. And at the end, he just said, the best thing you can do is pray for them. Because I wanted to go and tell them, I wanted to change the situation, but it was just out of my control. But what's in my control? this to God, prayer to God. And I just, he's like, pray for them. And I was like, oh, I've been praying for them. (laughs) Anybody, you know what kind of prayer I'm talking about? Lord, do your thing, baby. Speak to their heart right now. Thank you. Like, that's like our most intense prayers, right? I've never prayed so much in my life, but Jesus, just (laughs) And he was like, okay, if that's where you are, pray that way. And what began to happen was that the more I prayed that way, the Lord began to change my heart because it's real hard to be bitter and offended at someone you're praying that, that God would bless them. And he told me that he was like, just pray that God would bless them. And if that's all you can say, God bless them. And if you say it with a snarled lip, say it with a snarled lip. But the more that you will begin to let your heart be changed to God bless them, all of a sudden, man, over time, and, and all that, I begin to like, and I still pray for this person daily and our, because I want God to move in their heart. I want nothing bitter to grow in my heart. I'm going to give no space. And I know many people feel that prayer is out of their reach. They don't know how to do it very good or they're not good enough. But it's just like anything else. If you never do it, you'll never be good at it. Just start with wherever you think you are at it right now. You can't do it wrong. The only way to do it wrong is to not do it. Just begin to do something. And listen, at its core, prayer is just communication to God. It's, it's relationship. Prayer, like, like we will develop our ability to pray and know God more as we are rooted in our commitment to spend time with him in prayer. It's relational. I know, I know, like, if you think about when you met your honey bunny, come on, give him a little. Uh, and those of you that are single, maybe, you know, you met your best friend or whatever else, you know. When you first met it, met them, how did you get to know them? It wasn't just by awkwardly, like, staring at them, read my, like, they, whoever they are, as wonderful as your, your honey bunny is, they are no mind reader. Come on, everybody who's been married for five seconds said amen. Like, nobody's a mind reader. Like, relationship requires communication. It requires talking. And God created you for relationships. Read the beginning of the book. God created Adam to have fellowship, relationship. They walk together in the cool of the day. You don't do that with somebody you don't want to have a relationship with. We are related, uh, created to have relationship with the Father. We are sons and daughters. You're meant to communicate. So just talk to him. Just tell him. 
Just have that moment of relationship with him. Here's the next one. If we're going to stay connected to Jesus, we've got to address the attitudes of our heart. I've learned in my 45 years of life that in a moment's notice, everything can be good. But I've also learned that then one thing can be said or not said, or somebody gives me a weird look, something is done uh, out of nowhere, somebody cuts me off in traffic, and then attitude gets crazy. You know what I'm talking about? I'm like driving and praying. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Somebody cuts me off. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm not calling out anybody in any names. <laughs> attitude gets haywire just out of nowhere, doesn't it? And we find ourselves thinking, acting, and speaking out of character. And it's, it's in that place of being out of character, if we're not careful to address the attitude, that that attitude can, left unchecked, will start to take root in our heart. Scripture says, be careful that no root of bitterness begins to grow in your heart. Proverbs 4.23 says it this way, above all else, guard your heart. Some of us are better at guarding our front door with our ring. Or, you know, better at guarding our, our passwords for whatever than we are at guarding our heart. He says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do will come from it. So if a little bit of garbage is in your heart, then there's going to be a little bit of garbage in everything you do. Everything you do flows from it. If there's a little bit of toxin in you, then every word you say is going to carry some toxin. Everything we do flows from it. We've got to be careful to guard our heart. And my concern is that most of us are unaware or unwilling to face the attitudes that are in our hearts that are growing in the dark because we haven't wanted to deal with it. And I just feel like God sent me here today to shine a little bit of light in some dark places to begin to, with the, with the power of God, address the attitudes in our heart. King David was called a man after God's own heart. But King David was messed up. He missed it in every way possible. And yet he was still, even after he messed up, he was still called a man after God's own heart. So it's clear that God does not expect perfection. David was an adulterer, a murderer. He was disobedient to God. <laughs> all, like, all kinds of crazy stuff. And he's still a man after God's own heart. The difference, I believe, in David was the moment he recognized, I messed up. There's something in me that ain't right. He is at the feet of the Father. God, I, I create in me a clean heart. Psalm 51. Renew in me a right spirit. God, I have missed it. I have got off the mark. God, I, like, this was David. This is a man after God's own heart. That God, I need you every second of every day in my life. David was never in the place where he tried to justify his position. He was never, like, he wasn't trying to demand his own way. His prayer was simply God. I allowed impurity in my life. I need you to cleanse me. I'm sorry. I, I turned from that thing. And honestly, that's where revival begins. Why are young people all over our country and all around the world experiencing revival and some people are sitting back criticizing it and talking about it? Well, it's because some people have decided to get on their face and say, Jesus, I'm not perfect in any way and I want more of you. Forgive me where I've missed it. God, just fill me up today. Like that's where revival begins. If you want the power of God to sweep in your home, then we need more time where we're spending in places like that, crying out to God. Create something in me, God, that's pure. 
pure. Create something in me, God, that is pleasing to you. God, I want to live holy. Holy is not perfect. It's just set apart. It means I'm in the world, but I'm not going to be like it. I'm going to be different. God, help me live my life this way. I'm going to start preaching if y'all let me. Here's the next one. If we're going to keep our eyes on Jesus, we need to allow God's word to inform our feelings, thoughts, and actions. <laughs> Many people, we like it the other way around, don't we? Because we are professional at doing what we think is right. We are professionals at doing what we feel is best. <laughs> and listen, our feelings and all that kind of stuff is just off. It's just off. We don't need to be led by our spirit, by our feeling. We need to be led by our spirit, the spirit of God in us, and what He is speaking to us. Our our feelings will not be right. They're not indicators. They're just reactionary things that are to to what is going on around in us. We are meant to be allow our feelings and our thoughts and our soul to be transformed, to be changed by the Word of God, not try to make the Word of God fit to how we feel. Romans chapter two, verse twelve. The Apostle Paul is writing. He says, "Do." not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. You know, uh, it's, this word transformed means to be changed or be altered. When was the last time we allowed the Word of God to alter us? When was the last time we allowed the Word of God to change what we believed was how things should be? The Word of God is a transformative thing. It's meant to change us. It's meant to cause us to be more like Him. It, that means that you have the ability to change. God wouldn't say be transformed if you couldn't be transformed. It's not just like a mysterious force. It's not pixie dust that he sprinkles over you and says, now you're transformed because you're a Christian. No, he's saying, you, don't be like the world. Be transformed instead. So apparently there's something for us to do in this transformation process. And if he's asking you to do it, you have the ability. You are not a victim of your biology. You are not a victim of circumstance. You are not just stuck in your decisions. No, God made you on purpose with the will and decisions. So you don't have to be, make decisions based on how you identify or how you feel or any of that kind of stuff. You can change what you've been thinking about and be transformed to be more like Christ. The good news is we have the, the, about, uh, the, the power to change it. So you can live a generous life. You can live a life that forgives quickly. You can believe the best in others. You can love people who spit in your face. Come on. Yeah, but pastor, uh, uh, that would be really hard to change. I mean, you know, yeah, it will be hard. <laughs> but you can do it. You're more than able. You got what it takes. Come on, look at somebody sitting beside you and say, you got what it takes. Yeah, you do. You have what it takes. If you're a follower of Jesus, come on, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When we're connected to him, there it is again, you can do all things. And that doesn't mean like you can do all things like jump off a building and land on your feet. Like That's not what he's talking about. He's like, you can do all things. You can have joy when there's no joy around you. You can have peace when there's chaos coming at you. You can do all things. You can love people who are, are being mean to you and despitefully using you. You can do all things. He says, be transformed. Okay, how do we do that? He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So if you're going to be transformed, it starts in the mind. It starts by allowing your mind to be renewed according to the word of God. We've got to change the things that we're thinking about. We've got to change the things that we're allowing in. What is the main source of things coming into your mind? 
That is what you are transforming your mind to. So if the news cycle is the thing that is coming into your mind, if uh, social media is the thing that is the primarily the thing coming into your mind, and I got news for you, it's coming in your mind more than you want to admit, check out screen time on your phone. Compare your social media category. I mean, I, I read out of my paper Bible, so it's kind of an odd comparison. Maybe you read out of the version Bible app, but just like, let's just be real honest. Let's, you know, like, there are things that are feeding us. Again, hope's not the strategy. We've got to get down into the weeds and some things and be like, oh, that's been feeding my life. No wonder then why I feel chaos when somebody says the word economy. Or I feel, I feel that like pullback when we talk about giving over and above in the offering or whatever else. Why? Because I'm worried about money. Because the things that I've been listening to have fed me all these things. And I'm just not sure. There's so much uncertainty about the markets and the price of gas and the economy and the recession. And I don't know. So I've just got to make sure that I'm good, that I have enough. But when I'm feeding myself through the word, then I have a better understanding of Jehovah Jireh. The God who has already seen ahead and knows what the economy is going to do. There's no freak out in heaven. The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It's just different. What's feeding your mind? He says, be renewed by what's coming into your mind. It's no wonder then why there's such a push to feed people all the thoughts about sexual confusion and all that kind of stuff and no wonder so many people are slipping into it because that's what's been feeding their mind that's a different message he says when you tr are transformed by the renewing of your mind he says then you'll be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will so god is not hiding his will from you he wants you to know his will it's just that it's a result of renewing your mind so in other words, if you're not renewing your mind and being transformed to be more like Christ in the Spirit, to have more of the fruit of the Spirit, then you're going to have a real hard time understanding the will of God because your life has been plugged into something else. I love what Joseph said, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. See, when we begin to be renewed, it begins to change us. So you might have been a hot mess before. <laughs> Come on, somebody, you like praise it, you know. You might have been a hot mess before, and you might have thought that's who you were, but now you're beginning to renew your mind. Now you're beginning to let the word of God lead and guide your steps. And now God has been working inside of you, and you begin to realize Romans 8, 28 is true. You know, God is turning all things together for my good. So what actually looked like a hot mess was God walking through you through some situations because there's some people in that mess who needed a hand to reach them out and be like, let's go. You can come out of this thing. Jesus did it for me. And Joseph is saying the same thing. He's like, I know it was meant to destroy me, but God is using it to save people in my life. Come on, if God is allowing you to walk through some things, it's not because he's mad at you or angry at you or forgot about you. It's that God is working things together. He's with you in the midst of it because there's some people around you. He's going to use your life. He's going to, the good that he's turning is not just that you instantly have a bigger bank account or feel better. The good is that someone else around you found help and their way out of that through Jesus. That's the good. Here's the last one today. If we're going to keep Jesus the priority of our life, we need to stay connected in life-giving, faith-building places. Time and time again in Scripture, we're instructed to be planted, be rooted in the house of God. Psalms 92 says those that are planted in the house of God will flourish even in old age. They'll bear fruit. They'll be strong. We see it again. Psalms 1, it says, blessed is the person 
who doesn't sit in the seat of the scorner, the complainer, the gossiper, the grumbler. Blessed is the one who's in the house, who surrounds himself with faith. Blessed is the one who's in the right place, in the right environment. And sometimes we just tend to pull away from places and things that are actually feeding our faith because of whatever we're facing, because we've been plugged into some things. God brought us to a place where we could be plugged into faith. A faith-building, life-giving place doesn't mean perfect. Because when I walked in, it just became a little less perfect. When you walked in, I know it became a little less perfect. It's not about that. And we're just here to seek Jesus, to draw closer to him, to know him more, to lift his name up. Come on, let's get on our feet today. Thank you for listening to the Victory Orlando Church Podcast. We hope today's message helps you take another step closer to knowing God and finding freedom through His Word.